Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about Welcome to the show. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for being part of the show as we talk about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for retirement, and uh, <laughs> dodging dodging the political bullet. Uh, look, there's a lot of you that are disheartened, and I don't blame you, especially in the state of California, especially us you know, in the L.A. area, Southern California. I, I don't blame you. But here's the choice. You fight or you give up. Right, it, it it's no different uh, than any other moral dilemma. Right, it's not a physical thing where physically you either have to fight or you die. Right, it's not that. It's a it's a moral, ethical fight, and you have to make a decision: is it worth it? Some of you, you d- you didn't do what you were supposed to do when it came to standing up for somebody at work, right? Or, or when you were on the playground as a child. Some of you chose to not stand up, not fight. Okay, well, that was part of what you chose to do. The results are there. The regrets, the bonuses, the rewards. Whatever came from that is there. Okay, now you're confronted with what I call a character test, an ethical dilemma. Some of you will call a moral choice. I don't know, wherever you want to wrap that in or how you want to describe it. But it's the decision to fight, to fight for this country, fight for the state, fight for the community. This is almost like a, you know, a fourth quarter play where we're down three touchdowns and you're wondering, can we even come back? And you forget that the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, you know, Tom Brady's of the day, who even when those things were the, when that was the case, they were never out. Six minutes left to play. You figured we still had time. But I want you to look at it this way. They control the district, the redistricting in the state of California. They control the ability to uh, ballot harvest. And if anybody has any question, I want you to know in your heart, they cheated. 
They absolutely cheated. I have told you this before, and I have confirmed it even recently with somebody who is a high-level Republican in the state of California. And here's what that person says. We budget between 6 and 7% of the vote is going to be a cheat. That's what they're able to get away with and not get caught. I thought, are you, are you kidding me? Like, that's okay. He goes, well, what are we going to do? We don't control the media. We don't control the, the state legislatures to do any investigations or the state uh, departments of whatever. We can't do that. So we just have to budget for that being the case. Can you imagine if that was the case if you were a Republican? Right? I, I don't know. I don't live in Texas or Tennessee or Florida where, you know, the conservative movement is, is a lot clearer. But I have traveled to many places where conservatives reign. And you see people not afraid to have a flag on their car. Let's go Brandon stickers, right? Try to do that and park in a parking structure, right? Trump uh, won or or some some other sticker that indicates that you're certainly a conservative. Try Try to do that in a mall parking structure at work, in the parking lot. See if after a week you don't come out with your uh, key, uh, your car keyed up or a broken window or, or, I don't know. I don't, conservatives don't play that game. We don't do that. We don't have that level of dishonesty. Now, I don't know, maybe it's time to start playing that. I don't mean breaking windows. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, being solid on redistricting, uh, they're going to allow ballot harvesting. Well, we better ba- ballot harvest, right? I, and I don't say break the law. The law says you're supposed to ballot harvest. It says that's what that's what we want you to do. You're like, okay, I guess we're going to ballot harvest, right? Which is where you go and you collect the ballots, and you can discard the ones that you don't like. Now you might say, but air if they're sealed in an envelope, unless you tell the people not to seal them in the envelope, unless you say I'm going to pay you ten dollars, right? If you're in a, in a housing project or in an apartment building, right? how many times have we seen 100 ballots from one unit in an apartment building? Not the building, unit number seven or 10, right? Number 10, unit number 10 has 160 ballots. We saw that in 2020. So now I watch CNN and MSNBC, and the, so you don't have to really. <laughs> so, and they say things like, well, you know, there was fraud in the election, but not enough to change the results. Right. First, they said there's no such thing as fraud in the election. And then there was some. Uh, it's not widespread fraud. And then it became widespread fraud. Now they say it's not widespread fraud that affected the election. Right. They have to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. So I, I don't know how to play this game uh, because I don't think like that. I don't think in a dishonest way. Thank goodness. I don't think in a way in which being sneaky and how how you're supposed to double down and the Republican Party in the state of California is a joke. Nice people, I'm sure. They raise money. They drive nice cars. They pay their bills. What's my analysis? My years of study. Yeah, yeah, the, the breaking down. It's very simple. The results. We, right? Mike Garcia won in my district because he fought hard and he raised money. And he did what he was supposed to do. And he's a great candidate. But it doesn't matter what you run in some other districts. The Republicans don't have a shot. Ballot harvesting comes to play. So you're stuck. So 
we think Mike Garcia won by an additional five, six, seven, eight points, right? Because we know that they come to play at a deficit there. They come to play because they changed the laws and the rules. So I don't know what to tell you except expect a few things. Let me break down my analysis of what I think is going to happen on the federal and state level. Number one, raising taxes are going to, it's going to happen across the board, both in the state and the federal government, by the way. They're going to lower the threshold of what they call rich. Nobody's going to pay more taxes if they make more than 400000 a year. Not true, not true, not true. Thank you for playing Mr. President. Try to live in Pacific Palisades. Try to live and be a conservative in Beverly Hills or West L.A. Husband, wife, school teacher. Ready for this? School teacher and a doctor. Oh, of course, a doctor, doctor, doctor. Or must be rich, doctor. How about a police officer and a nurse? They're more than 400000 a year. A sergeant of police. Irvine. Inglewood. Glendale. Los Angeles. Sergeant of Police, Sheriff's Department, Burbank, doesn't matter. You, you can name this. I don't mean some podunk city in the middle of Southern California, uh, you know, Northern California. Of course, they're not paid as much because they don't have to spend as much. Police officer and a nurse, sergeant and a nurse. Yeah, more than 400,000. That's the group you want to target? That's, quote, the rich? Yes, it sure will be. They're going to lower that target. And more and more Americans are going to be looped into that because they never raise those numbers for inflation, especially now. Second thing I think is executive orders are going to be coming down through the federal government at a rapid rate, and it's going to affect your pocketbook because they have to cultivate, they have to groom the illegal alien, the, the illegal immigrant, whatever you want to call them, people that came here without by breaking a law. I mean, it's simple. It's not, it's not, they're not bad people. Some of them, some of them are, they're not evil. Some of them are, but most of them aren't. They're not mean. They're not disgusted. They're people that came here and broke the law and they knew it. They knew they were going to break the law for a better life. That's not our problem. We don't have a country that's supposed to accept everybody, but because the middle-class Hispanics that they used to count on the middle-class black families, that they used to count on were are, are now voting at record numbers away from the Democrat party. And I think it's just going to get worse. They're trying to t- divide everybody by race. Everybody is your racial makeup. That's it. You're not a human being, You're not an individual. You're not a family that makes decisions. You're not an individual that makes a choice based on your own personal values. You must make the choice what's based for the greater good of your race. So the the only people they can still manipulate like that are illegal immigrants. Number one is because most of them that come here are the lower economic scale. You realize if we could export our poor families, I don't know, better way of putting it, which is what Mexico, Honduras, Somalia, Yemen to some extent, certainly Haiti, who do you think they send here? Who, do they send the, the PhDs like in the communist era, right? When we would get refugees coming from Poland or Czechoslovakia, right? They would flee. Who would, who would it be? Scientists, upper middle class, right? Because they knew they were next. When you have a lower income person, again, God-fearing, decent family, 
I'm, I'm sure all of those things, right? I'll give you that. But when those countries send those people out, they're not, and, and just know this, they send them out, right? You know that. It's not as if they're just making a choice. They're being paid in some cases to leave because they are a drag on the economic system of Mexico. Mexico has some of the wealthiest people in Central South America. Did you know that? Very wealthy, very successful, very high-end people. Uh, No, they're not fleeing here. So when you do that, and then they come to the United States, not in a small number, but in an enormously large number, they send money back. You understand Bank of America takes a piece of that when they send money back. So does Wells Fargo. So does Chase Bank and many other small subsidiaries. A lot of these small little uh, money exchange companies have to be backed by another organization, by a larger banking institution. You know that, right? So money exchange, why we'll call it, you know, sunshine money exchange. I don't know what it's called. We'll call it that sunshine money exchange has a backing of a financial institution. That financial institution gets paid when money goes from the United States to the Philippines, to Honduras, Mexico, China. It doesn't matter. It gets paid. Add that in those countries are a uh, relationship bank that might not be in the United States, but it's only down there. And now they each take a piece of that immigrant's work. Now you might say, he sends back $500 a week (laughs) times 2 million people. 500 a week is a lot of money. And if they take, let's call it a 5% fee, and that's $25 uh, on 500, okay. But $25 a week that goes into the pocket of the banking institutions, and you have 2 million people, that's millions, tens of millions. And I venture to say it's probably close to more than a billion dollars a year across the board in various fees and services that the U.S. banking system makes. Why do you think they allow illegal immigrants to open a bank account? Isn't that interesting? I thought you were Bank of America or Bank, right, Wells Fargo or Chase Why are they doing this? Why are they supporting this? They can put an end to it, right? They can go to the Biden administration saying, we are not going to open any banking uh, accounts. We're not going to transfer any money to Central South America. We're not going to do it at all unless they are a legal immigrant and they're trying to support their family back home. But do you realize just like uh, the United States might make Ford cars or Dodge Ram pickup trucks, right? My truck was made in Mexico and they shipped it up, right? Well, instead of shipping up a truck and getting paid dollars for it, right? The manufacturing costs money, the wages, the building of the factory, the employees, and on and on. They're shipping up human beings that send dollars back there. But not once, right? I bought one truck. How many times do they send it? <laughs> every week, every month. And the more money they make, the more money they send back south. Huh, isn't that interesting? Nah, that can't be the reason. Could just be just the voting, right? Could just be the voting block. Because if we can get them to send money back and be a victim, you didn't know this, but you were dying, almost dying. People died in your group to get here. Horrible things happened to individuals and to women. Uh, 
but this is the most racist country I've ever seen in the Western Hemisphere. So why are you coming here again? See, the Republican Party in the state of California has to figure this out, but they don't because it's about raising money and being the, being the victim, right? They don't have to govern. You just have to object. Everything you do is, I object. Everything you do, they're, they're bad. We're good. I don't understand why they're not pushing the legality, suing, making a difference. They, well, if they do, behind the scenes, you don't see it. I see results. That's all I care about. And look, some of you conservatives are going to point to this raising of taxes, raising of cost of living. The inflation is going to continue to go up in California. Why? Because some of you conservatives, you guys are pro-choice. Uh, sorry, pro-abortion. I don't know what it is. I think it's pro-abortion because it's not pro-choice because you didn't stand up for the vaccine mandate. You don't stand up for the ability to work and not be vaccinated. And, and it's none of your business if I am or not. That wasn't the choice that you stood up for. But some choices, right? I get it. So the conservatives that are pro-abortion, pro-mask, we didn't talk to them as a, as a group. The politicians said there wasn't any room for you. So a lot of them secretly, I know some of them, secretly still voted for the Democrat. Because in their values of life, the most important thing is to remain scared, i.e. the mask, and, believe it or not, to be pro-abortion. Because you realize all that happened was it just became a state issue. That's it. It became a state issue. So what's going to happen to you in your pocketbook? They're going to raise taxes. They're going to lower the, 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 the threshold, the benchmark of what they call rich. So when you start voting, yeah, let's tax the rich. Yeah, let's go after the rich. We hate the rich. You got to look in the rearview mirror because they're coming after you. Executive orders are going to be coming down from the president and from uh, Gavin Newsom when he can't do it through the legislature. You see, he doesn't have to do as many executive order type actions. He just puts in place the people in the water rec reclamation board of this, OSHA, the offshore this, the, the drilling uh, groups to start pulling the ability to drill for oil. So he, he doesn't get his hands dirty, kind of like a mob boss, right? You push it so far down the line where when it comes to you, you just shrug your shoulders. I don't know. Well, I'm not sure. If it looks like it's a good idea, you take credit for it. But if it isn't, you just go, huh, I don't know. How about that? Let me check into that. I'll get back to you. So we have to make sure that the types of accounts that you're, that you're saving for and you're booking in and you're doing that you're doing the right thing because I think they're coming after you if you have any money. If you don't, look, 45, 43% of Californians pay zero income tax. Did you know that? And that's the county, counting ones, not the illegal immigrants that don't pay any taxes, uh, income taxes. Yeah, they'll pay tax when they go to the gas station. They'll pay tax when they go to the, get their car registered. They'll pay tax when they go to a restaurant or, or, or a grocery store if things are, are taxable. Yeah. But income tax, the fuel that feeds the state, 43% of them pay zero income tax. Huh. Interesting. Add in the illegal immigrants, you're probably close to 50, five zero of Californians pay nothing in income tax. So I think they're going to come after you. 
if you make any money, if you pay. Some of you don't pay income tax. I want you to not pay income tax, but the right way. I want you to do it where you're not going to do anything sneaky or silly because we don't want to break the law. The law is very simple. Rich people make the rules. Larry and Elder, uh, Larry Elder and I have mentioned this before. We disagree on that. He says, then why are 1% of American, uh, Americans and even Californians, for that matter, paying 50%, 80% of the taxes in the country? The top 5% of the rich pay most, if not all, of the taxes in the country. Okay, I get it. The difference is you can create an opportunity, very simply speaking, you can create an opportunity to not have to pay any income tax or very little by using Roth IRA accounts, Roth 401k accounts, real estate. I'll get to those in all a second. How, how to do that. Using life, life insurance, the right kind of cash value life insurance. What's the job of the money? That's it. You tell me the job will tell you the place. Right? If it's for lunch tomorrow, that's in your purse or pocket. That's the 20 bucks. Got it. But if it's money that's designed to give you a lifetime of income stream, right? I want, I'll, I'll share with you something that a, a client did. A lovely family, let me tell you. A lovely, awesome family. Great people. But when I say do not take money, cash in your retirement account to pay for a home, real estate. Well, we need a place to live. Rent. But you don't understand. I do understand. I've been, uh, look, I think God had me go through all of my financial trials, you know, early on in life so that I could be somebody who has some empathy and I could, ex I could live a life where I go, gosh, do I know that? Have I been there? Do I understand that? I, I get it. But you have to keep in mind in your financial life that there are some things you can do and some things you can't do with your accounts and some things you can do, but shouldn't do. Taking money from a retirement account to put as a down payment on a house is not a small thing. It's very, very bad. Oh, but Eric, our family's homeless. We're under the bridge and I have 250,000 in my retirement account. Great. There's my exception. Move out of the bridge, underneath the bridge and go. Cash it in, buy a house. That's what you have to do. You do it. But Never do that if you can help it. But people do. Love them. Good people make bad decisions all the time. Sometimes you say, well, I know it's a bad decision. It's like eating three donuts, right? You say, uh, listen, I know it's not a good idea. I know I'm going to pay for it later, but I'm willing to pay that price. Some of you do that. Eric, I know it's a dumb idea. It's a bad idea. I shouldn't cash in my retirement account. It's going to push me to the next tax bracket. It's going to cause all the money I made this year to be taxable at a much higher rate. I'm going to give up half of my income, uh, half of my account rather, to taxes. But I, I, I'm going to, I'll pay for that later. I'm going to pay that price. Well, okay. Until you have to pay that price. You ask yourself. Let's say you make $60,000 a year and you pull money from your retirement account and it's going to cost you $30,000 in taxes. That's like working for six months for free. You wouldn't do that, right? You wouldn't do that. You would say, well, that's a dumb idea. Why would I do that? Well, that's what you're doing. You took that much effort that you created, that much lifestyle, that much, uh, uh, that, that the, the sacrifices for six months and you gave it up. If you can fight that urge and you do it over and over, then financially you have a chance. 
right? All right, let me give you the number, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. All right, here's a big deal for you. When we come back, you need to know the difference between tax-deferred and tax-free. Sometimes y'all get those things mixed up, and we need to fix that. We can do it. We can do it pretty cleanly here. We can make it so that we're not worried about uh, the options, the problems that can come with making bad decisions. Because I think a lot of you want to make good decisions. But when you sit in front of the TV and you have a bowl full of chips right next to you and you're watching a TV show, before the next commercial break, those chips are gone. Right? <laughs> That's why you buy the small bag. Uh, I'm speaking about myself. For me, it's popcorn. Uh, the, you know, the flavored popcorn, caramel corn. Ugh. So the trick, don't have it next to you when you watch TV. All right, when we come back, I'm going to give you some ideas, ways, if you will, to handle the three different types of accounts on your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. I, I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour, 888 retire and we'll be right back. Thanks to Arab Hallaby, now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab Hey there, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Thanks for joining us. All right, we're talking about the different retirement accounts, triple eight ninety nine retire. There's a reason to have different accounts. In other words, tax free accounts when you pull them out. There's tax deferred. It's just while you're letting it sit there. And then there's taxable accounts. So think of it like this. A taxable account, for example, would be uh, like your savings account, right? The money is post-tax. It's sitting in your pocket. I want you to understand this, these types of dollars because here's what happens. People will say things like, well, I'm going to buy a car and it's $500 a month. Or I'm going to buy a house and my house payment is $2,000 a month. Well, it isn't really $500 a month or $2,000 a month. It isn't because that's post-tax money, just like the money that's sitting in your savings account. Meaning for $500 a month, maybe your effort, you have to earn $700, $800 a month. You have to, your, your effort has to create $800 worth of value. You pay state, federal, local taxes, FICA, SUDA, FUDA, which is all the disability and, and social security. You pay all that stuff. After $800 of effort, now you have $500 you can spend on a car. So the car really costs you $800 a month, not 500. Same thing with your house mortgage. Oh, Arif, I get a tax break on the interest. Yes, you do. So why don't you give me a thousand dollars? I'll give you back $300 and you can call it a tax break. You can call it whatever you'd like. Well, that's a dumb idea. Arif. That's a dumb. Thank you. You just answered my question. Don't do anything for a tax deduction because you don't get all the money back. You only get a percentage of the dollars back. 
right? So if you give a thousand, my CPA said I need to buy a car for the tax break. Wrong CPA. Thank you for playing new CPA. Now, if it's your business buying it and your business can buy the car and you have the dollars to do it, it's a different story. But for a lot of people, they say, oh, I have to go out and I have to buy this. So you're going to spend $1,000, you'll get back 300 and somehow some financial professional says that's a good deal, right? That's, that's kind of a dumb idea. So I want you to ask yourself, have you created the right plan or formula to sit down when you're retired, when you're going to retire and use the money properly? All right, here's the idea. Taxable accounts, savings accounts, CDs, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, brokerage accounts is what they're called. If you see a TOD, transfer on death, if you see that by your name, that's this type of an account. POD, payable on death. It's a way to have a beneficiary that's part of your, your non-retirement accounts and it circumvents probate. It's what I want you to have. You check with your CPA, your tax lawyer, your, your, your uh, real estate professionals, if you're going to work in the real estate world, whatever it is, I want you to work with those people. Ask their questions, right? The trust attorney, you don't have a financial advisor do your trust, just like you wouldn't have a guy who fixes Honda transmissions work on your Buick uh, motor, right? I mean, it's, these are different people. Oh, they're both called mechanics. That's right, they are. That's right. But if you have an air conditioner that needs to be repaired in your GM car, you're not asking the person who fixes Saab transmissions. Those are different human beings, right? So you ask your trust attorney to do trust attorney work. I get it. Your financial professional says, or your financial advisor, we can do soup, nuts, uh, you know, shish, shish kebab. We are the place. You go, okay, wait, back up. What are you good at? Oh, well, I, I'm a financial advisor. I have all these licenses and certifications. I get it. Great. Good job. You passed a lot of tests. You studied. Great. I'm happy. You might know a lot. But what are you great at? What are you great at? I don't want to know what you're good at. A lot of people are good at a lot of things. Give somebody two weeks with YouTube. They can be good at a lot of things. TED Talks. Got it. Good. I want to know somebody that's great. Because that person that's great should be doing your trust where that's all they do. I don't want somebody that's an attorney that says, oh, I also do family law. And did you get in a car accident last week? I can take care of it all. No, no, no. Thank you. You're wonderful. I get it. But I want a trust attorney. Oh, but Arif, that's going to cost a lot of money. Yes, it will. I'm sorry. Yes, it will. It'll cost probably between two and $3,000. That stinks. A lot of money. But if you own any real estate, you have to have a trust. But you ask them, should I take my non-retirement accounts and put them as the owner of the trust, so they're owned by the trust, or should I have them with a TOD, transfer on death, payable on death provision? All right. That's how you manage your assets if you were to pass away. Right. Very few people have this long drawn out illness where they can still think clearly where they think they're going to, they're dying anyway. Right. And they have time to plan and manage. And often you're distracted. If you have an illness, it, it takes all your effort to fight that. You're not always thinking about, well, I better plan in case I die because that's counterintuitive, right? Your, your goal is to fight. So you need to stay focused while you're healthy, 
today and work on getting a living trust if it's applicable to you. Own any real estate, you have to have a trust. Should you have your non-retirement accounts as owned by the trust? Maybe. But have that provision that's TOD. So stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Here's the benefit to those accounts. It's called a taxable account. The benefit is if you have a, a, a brokerage account, I was going to use their names, but I don't want to use their names. It's called the two-name accounts, right? The Morgan, Charles, Edward, Jones, James, right? Everybody's got there. It's funny how they all have two names. I don't know. If you're going to take those two named accounts, the benefit is if you pass away, let's say you put in 100000 and today it's worth $250,000. And if you pass away, your child beneficiary receives that 250000 tax-free. All the gains that's been sitting inside, tax-free to the beneficiary. I like that, right? I want to pass on to the next generation tax-free. If you have a savings checking uh, type account, same thing. CD, not the same thing. There could be taxes in the CD. Here's the reason I'm not a fan of CDs at the moment. Because there are fixed annuities that are two, three, and four years old, uh, uh, in length that pay much better. But here's the trade-off. If you have a CD, now these are tax-deferred CD, but, it's, but instead of using a CD, you're going to use a fixed annuity? and you're going to make 3 or 4% interest, guess what? The fixed annuity is tax deferred. That means every year while you're earning interest, no tax, no tax, no tax. Oh, you take it out to spend it. Okay, well, there you go. That's a taxable event. But if you don't need it and it just stays in the annuity and you can keep rolling it over and over and over, and then when you need it, fine, that's a taxable event. But prior to that, it isn't. You can regulate that. You can decide, oh, this is a low tax year. Give me some money. This is a high tax year. Defer it. Okay, I like that. If it's in a CD, let's say you have a three-year CD or a two-year CD, every month, quarter, year that you earn interest, it's a taxable event to you. Whether you need, whether you can even access the money or not, it's still a taxable event. So the tax deferred, it's not just a fixed annuity that has favors or fixed indexed annuity. I like those for income. I like the fixed annuities, right? They're called a MIGA. Sometimes you'll hear it short term, shorthand rather, MIGA, M-Y-G-A, multi-year guaranteed annuity. So the shorthand will fly around, oh, 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 oh. jargon, jargon. The MIGA, we have a four-year MIGA, it's paying four and a half percent. Great, what does that mean? It means that every year it's guaranteed Come heck or high water, lower interest rates, whatever's going to happen in three or four years. Also means if higher interest rates come, you're kind of locked in. All right. There are some that will float. They'll go up. Maybe once they'll give you a little bit of chance. They'll give you one time to, to kind of reset because they don't want to lose the money. So they'll say, okay, okay, we'll renew it. But at a higher rate, good. I'll take it. Thank you. Still tax deferred. But there's also other accounts that you'll put aside. In this case, the contribution and the growth are tax-deferred, meaning don't charge me taxes today, but charge me taxes later. 401ks, most of you are familiar with a 401k. Now, if you work for a school district, hospital, research facility, or nonprofit, yours was created a few years later. That's why it's further down the IRS code called a 403b. 
403b, also known as a tax-sheltered annuity or a TSA. Same thing. A few years later, city, county, state workers were offered another option to help alleviate the pressure on the pensions called a 457 plan. Some of you know it as, I don't have a 457 error if I have deferred comp. Or I don't have deferred compensation. I have a Horizons plan. Well, the moment you say Horizons, I know you work for Los Angeles County because that's the name of their plan. But it's the same thing. It's a 457 deferred compensation plan. Okay, simple. What it means is this. You put money in today. Your taxes, so for example, let's say you earn 50000 a year. You put in 5000 Today you only pay taxes on forty-five. When you retire, where you retire, that $5,000 plus all the interest, hopefully it's grown quite a bit, and all of the other monies you put in in every single year, and matching, some companies will put in a matching, so they're going to put money in as well. All of those dollars are taxed when you take them out, where you live, whatever your tax bracket is at the time. So sometimes people will say, well, Arif, can you tell me how much tax I'm going to pay when I take it out? I'm going to say, well, okay, <laughs> what's the tax brackets for the government at the time? What city, state, county are you going to live in? Uh, how much other monies are you going to make? Right? There's a lot of unpredictable things that are going to happen. So we just don't know that answer. So if you're going to stay in the state of California when you retire or access this money, I recommend using a Roth program. Roth means don't charge me, uh, don't delay my taxes, but charge me taxes on what I put in today. So that means your tax bracket is known. We know what it is right now today. Let me put money aside and now let it grow. But guess what? Where I retire, when I retire, that's why if you stay in the state of California, those dollars are never taxed again. I love it. Thank you. Never taxed again. You see, we, we like those things. But the Roth IRA has so many rules. Yep. And one of them is a contribution limit. If you can afford it, put money in a Roth IRA for 2022. 6000 if you're under the age of 50. If you're 50 years old by December 31st of this year, you can put in 7000 Next year, 6500 and 7500 respectively. But Arif, I make too much money to put in a Roth IRA. Not true. Oh, but Arif, you don't understand. I, I can't put money, uh, says my CPA. Wrong CPA. Oh, but Arif, I'm not allowed. Incorrect. But how do I put money into a Roth IRA? How do I put money in a tax-deferred account? I have one at work. My CPA says I'm not eligible. Okay. Write this down. I'll wait a second while you grab your pen and paper. You could have a little bit of a, what is that, the Jeopardy? Okay, yes. Got it. Pen and paper. Grab it. Okay. Write it down. It's called a backdoor Roth. Backdoor Roth IRA. Really simple. You put it into a traditional IRA. Oops, you're not eligible to write it off. Okay, no problem. You can have a non-deductible, meaning don't write it off, IRA, individual retirement account, regardless of how much money you make. All you're subject to is the age, under age 40, you know, 49 and under, 50 and older. All right, backdoor Roth. Sits in the account, I don't know, for a week, 
what type of account? Well, you just go to your credit union. I'm not a fan of banks if you haven't figured that out. You walk into the credit union and you say, hi, credit union, I'd like to open up a traditional IRA. They'll say, here we go. Where do you want to put it? You want to see that man over there on the desk? Nope. Yeah, but we have brokerage. We have great CD rates. Two years. No, thank you. Just a savings account, traditional IRA. They'll say, okay. Whether or not you can deduct it is not their business. They don't know. They don't care. That's not their job. Now, you're not going to put it on your taxes because you can't. I mean, you can't you know, put it as a deduction. But a week later, you convert it. You go from a traditional to a Roth. Oh, but Eric, if I have to pay taxes, yes, you do on whatever you deducted. Oh, nothing because it's the same tax year. You never did write it off on your taxes because you shouldn't. Oh, and you have to pay taxes on the interest. How much interest is a savings account going to pay in one or two or three weeks? 14 cents? Three cents? I don't know. And then you convert it. And now it's a Roth. You can now roll it over to the other Roth IRAs you have. You can merge it with other Roth programs. You can move it if you want safe and reliable retirement income from us. That's tax-free income when you retire. Then we can merge those accounts together. You follow me? It's called a backdoor Roth IRA. If your CPA, your financial advisor, financial professional, whoever it is, doesn't know this, like the back of their hand, these aren't new anymore. They've been around for a decade probably, at least six, seven, eight years. Uh, I mean, a long time. It, now, oh, but it's a couple of stages. Yes, it is. You got to walk into the bank. You have to follow it. You got to hold these account, these uh, reports for your CPA when they file their taxes next year. Yep. Yes, there is a little bit of a process, but it doesn't matter your income. All that matters is the process I just laid out. Now, that's called a Roth IRA through the backdoor, okay, or backdoor Roth. Now, Roths are tax-free. I love those things. You don't pay tax when you take it out, but you do today. Today, we know, especially after watching what happened in the elections, we know that the Democrats are not going to stop their tax and spend world. We know they're going to create a much greater debt and deficit. And the, the good news, the silver lining in this is that they bought and paid for this inflationary economy. This is theirs. They can't say, well, it was President Trump. I love it. California still. I, I met some liberals the other day, some Democrats, hardcore Democrats. Well, Eric, the reason we have the problems in the state of California today with the debt and out of control this and is because of Pete Wilson. I thought to myself, I don't even know if this kid was alive when Pete Wilson was governor. Oh, yeah, Pete Wilson was governor and he controlled the state legislature. You see, the difference was when, this, when the Republicans were in charge of the state, they didn't gerrymander and, and do some funny business with the elections like the Democrats did. They played fair. I mean, fair as much as you can in politics, right? So the the challenge was, even the Democrats still try to blame in our state, Pete Wilson. I thought that was, it was fascinating to me that that would even be a possibility. But they do. All right, well now, they've bought and paid for this election. There is almost nothing they can say. It will be, in my opinion, a regional success story. Just like the way the Democrats blocked the South from rising again. Remember? Yeah, the Jim Crow laws, the, the 
after Civil War, Reconstruction. Yeah, Reconstruction sounded good, didn't it? It's the reason that everything is considered, oh, you have a British, or sorry, a a New England accent, you're considered smart. Have a Southern accent, you're considered dumb, uneducated. It's what they do. The Democrats came along with all of these ideas to to keep the South from flourishing. In fact, I've I've shared with you before, I was uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. Not a great place to go visit, but I was there. Had my daughter went to school at Ole Miss. I was there in in southern in uh, the capital city, not too far, in fact, from the churches that were burned last week on election day. Oof, black churches burned. All these politicians came out. This is what happens with white supremacy. This is the problems with the with the white, 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 race, 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 racial pigs, these people were. Because then they arrested a young black man who burnt the church. <laughs> Two of them. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead of coming on and saying, man, am I sorry I had divisive rhetoric. I am so sorry that what I said was wrong and it just fueled the fire of, of dishonesty and incorrect ideas. They just went on, went on their way. Nobody's, they're not resigning. They're not in shame. They don't feel guilty. Well, I was there. Jackson State University, predominantly black college. Pretty good football team, actually, over the years, off and on. Uh, I thought I was in a Grapes of Wrath novel. I, I looked at, we drove down the streets, and it was the same with the porches that, that didn't have railings, and it just had uh, wood steps, and it had plywood and this was entire neighborhoods, not like a house. And the kids didn't have shoes. I mean, it was, it was like you were in a Grapes of Wrath novel. And I thought to myself, here's a university that makes millions of dollars watching its teams play on TV, having its teams right play on TV, recruits people from all over the, the country to play for their football team. And, and they had poverty... I, I could have hit a golf ball from the university to these houses. I mean, I say throw, throw a ball, but I've had sh- shoulder surgery, so I couldn't throw a ball. But I could certainly hit a golf ball. And you could see the depths of poverty. Does anybody care about them? No. Now, local churches might. But how long would it take to fix that neighborhood if people really cared? Honestly, how long? Three months, eight months, right? The world comes around a veteran as they should to build a veteran a home. And yet these folks live in the depths of despair and poverty. It was shocking to me. And I thought to myself, how many other places are still like this as if it was 1870 in the South? Well, surprise, surprise. As the South starts to come up and more and more of these folks are saying, listen, we tried this Democrat world. They don't give a rip about us. So we're going to try this Republican world for a little while. Let's see if they actually care about us. Let's see if they make a difference. So you're starting to see those changes. So my point is, are you going to be somebody that wants to retire to some of these Southern places where right now nobody is charging any taxes, uh, you know, to be, to speak of? Property tax, sales tax, everything is moderate to low. 
and yet they have a very functioning government. Now, if you want to fix some of the poverty stuff, that's what you do on your spare time. You want to go out and say, I happen to, but for the grace of God, not be one of those folks that are suffering, then great, you go in there and do it. We've had family members volunteer at clinics and the stories they tell, it's it's shocking. But it's what the Democrats are going to do. And they're going to continue to do it. Not all of them. The problem is the liberal Democrats, the normal everyday people, keep voting for the crazies. Right? You're not, there, there's not a third party option. You detest Republicans so bad, so much, that no way in the world you're going to ever vote for a Republican. So what do you do? You vote for another crazy. And they get crazier and crazier, just like in California. You have the crazy uh, side of the party and the normal side of the party. The loudest is the crazy side. So we keep going towards the center, right? That negotiation, the left-right negotiation is now between the far left and normal Democrats, which just, you know, supposedly wanted free speech. Remember that? Public education. Remember that? Now you have the uh, teachers union become uh, incredibly socialistic, refusing to pay attention to the normal everyday person, right? It's all about power. So I think if you can avoid paying those taxes later by paying them today and using Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, I think you're better off. Using a life insurance policy inside of that, tax-free income, once the income has been taxed, I never want it to be taxed again. So consider using a cash value life insurance policy the correct way. If you want our help, we can help you at 888-99-RETIRE. Stay tuned to the second hour of the show. I have your emails, amazing emails. This one, I think one specifically is going to hit you hard when we come back on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby, AM 870. This is your place for news, talk, and information. 888-888-997-3847. We'll be right back. Higher income strategy. Retire comfortably Thanks to Arab Halaby Now every dollar's got a job to do Arab makes your money work for you Learn about financial power The Total Financial Hour Learn about financial power The Total Financial Hour Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. We talk about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. This is the second hour of the Total Financial Show. Uh, we're talking about your family's finances, and, and I always uh, love hearing from you. I love hearing your emails, your stories. Uh, you guys are always very kind in, in your compliments. But what really matters to me a lot is making a difference. I have to really feel like we're making a difference in your life. The decisions, the ideas, they have to be something that, at least in my opinion, are are kind of, what's the right word? They have to be impactful. And if they're not, if it's something that that isn't working in your particular case where we are saying, let's go out 
and ask these questions of our financial advisors. Let's ask these questions. Let's start the conversation about getting involved. Uh, you know, then it then it makes the the show not as effective as I want it to be. So I thank you for sharing those ideas. This is important because uh, this particular person also came in to see me and sent this letter before coming in. So I really appreciate the idea of having uh, the ability to help them. Here, here's why. Listen to this one. Dear Arif, I'm 57 years old and, and still working. I have a special needs son. He's working part-time. He will never be able to be totally uh, to totally live on his own. So I want to set up a trust for him to take care of his basic needs in the future. My concern is that he could be hungry or homeless someday when I die. Is there a way that I can be sure he will be cared for? All right, guys. So Michelle writes this letter to us because I think her concern is, is well-founded. A lot of the folks that are homeless on the streets are special needs, right? Mental illness, other issues. A lot of the folks that are under the bridges and homeless on the streets have substance abuse issues. Often those are as a result of some of their mental issues. So I think once, when Ronald Reagan was governor, he was sued by the ACLU. The ACLU sued him. That's when the 5150 law was created. That's when they started emptying the Camarillo Hospital. Remember the state hospitals all across the, the state. And it became the platform across the country where the today now the 5150, are you a danger to yourself or others? Are you gravely disabled? Those rules, if they are not met, then you have to let them be. And then we started allowing people, well, if it's my park, then it must be your park. And if it's your park, you can live there. Doesn't mean if not, I can no longer use it because you're now pitching a tent in the middle of the park. You're now going to the bathroom. You have used needles uh, all over the place. Well, tough luck. Those are as a result of liberal policies and laws and the inability and the, in, in, the, the lack of desire to fight ACLU. They're really the bad guy in the story, right? They used to support good ideas. It used to be the liberals' idea of future. Now they kind of leave a, a wake of destruction behind them. They do. Oh, Arif, remember that one time they, they defended that? Okay, that's fine. They defended that person. I get it. But their equivalent on the conservative side, right? Harmeet Dillon and some of that, the group that, that she's with and others, they, they barely can hold a candle as far as the money, the influence, the dollars raised. They just don't have it yet. And the judges that are put in place by the Democrat philosophy in the state of California, the same thing applies. They're not kicking back these laws or, or allowing cities and municipalities to fight. So they get stuck with these people. So I can see Michelle's concern. How do you make sure that, that her son is taken care of? Here's how we do it. We use a special needs trust. Now, a special needs trust is inside, often inside of a revocable living trust. So when would you use a special needs trust? Again, I'm not an attorney. I'm, gonna, I'm a certified estate planner. So I'm going to give you kind of the, the 10,000 foot view. You want to get down to the nitty gritty. That's what the attorney's job is for. My job as a certified estate planner is to look at things, to integrate the financial side of things, specifically through income and, and caring for, in this case, her son. So his monthly bills are always going to be met. That's how we do it. 
All right, special needs trust. Could be kids that have aut- autism. It could be Down syndrome or any special needs child. It could also be if you have somebody who's a drug addict who comes and goes. They're good and then they're not. Or an alcoholic. They're good and then they're not. So you might say, I want to have the ability to have some some reins on the money before it gives gets into this person's hand and they do something dumb with it or someone takes advantage of them. Because that happens, of course, a lot. So I'd like to use a special needs trust. It's part of a revocable living trust, meaning upon your passing, the funding spins out of the trust and into the special needs trust. A revocable living trust is made up of many pieces. One of those is a will that handles your stuff. Always think of it like this. The revocable living trust is made up of stuff and you, the person. What happens to you, the person? That would be something like a healthcare directive. What happens to your stuff? Well, your will. If your will exists outside of the trust, then it is a mere suggestion to the court. That means the judge can say, yes, no, yes, no. You heard my example of golf clubs the other day, which is if it's part of a will and uh, and there is no trust and you and I are joking or maybe not, and six people hear you say, Eric, if I die, you can have my golf clubs. I go, great, thanks, Larry. And then Larry dies on the way home and the golf clubs are supposed to go to somebody else in the will, but the six people are going to say, no, no, I heard him give it to Eric. Now probate ensues. And we have to negotiate or, or the judge says, well, did he really mean it or did he not? If it's not inside of the trust, in other words, the will is not inside of the trust, the judge decides who gets what, when and why and how. If it's underneath a trust, in other words, now the will is part of the living trust. Surprise, very difficult to beat. It can be beat, but very difficult. So the items retirement accounts, rental property, main house, all of that spins out of the trust. If it's designed to be sold, the dollars go into the special needs trust and there are provisions inside of the trust, the special needs trust. They might say, I'm going to pay for his electric bill, my son's property taxes. I want my house to be part of the special needs trust and it will be paid off and he never has to pay a bill there. But He gets to live there for the rest of his life. Property taxes paid for by the trust. Water bill paid for by the trust. Repairs paid for by the trust. What is in his bank account? Whatever the state or federal government gives him as a disability check, that's it. So he's entitled to use the house, but he doesn't own it. The trust owns it. So then... When he dies, the state of California, because he was receiving Medi-Cal or Medicare or other disability benefits, the state comes back and grabs all those assets. So when you pass away, they take them. They don't go to the charities or the other kids. They don't go to, to fund any kind of ideas that you had to, to care for you know, homeless children or, or disabled, whatever. Nope, nope. State goes, bye-bye, it's mine. But if it's part of a special needs trust, it doesn't. Okay, it just gives him a chance to live there. It buys you time. Uh, Well, let me back up. I love policy to fund it as well. 
you can use a term policy or you can use a um, cash value. I like the idea of a combination of both. Here's why. If you use a hybrid approach where you use a cash value life insurance, where you're paying a lot more, but there's an underlying savings, if you will, and you use a term insurance, if it's built correctly, the term insurance is not a commissionable item. That's why a lot of advisors don't like to use them. Life insurance agents will say, well, I'm not getting paid on it. Why would I give her that? We do. That's what we do. Of course, we'll get paid on the other policy. But if the need says we have to add this little extra at a much lower cost to make it work, that's what we do. So then what happens is this. Along this journey, if you pass away and you haven't funded your life insurance, uh, you haven't funded your retirement accounts enough, then the life insurance is triggered. Guess who the beneficiary is? The special needs trust. That receives the money and now it funds, pays off the house, funds, pays the property taxes, might even give your son a chance to have a few dollars each month. There's certain minimums and maximums that can be done if you, uh, if you look at the law at the time. But you, you will need a trustee, somebody to manage the special needs trust. So the successor trustee that takes over your, your trust and your, your life their job is to manage the trust and they will be paid for it. Usually it's 1% of the assets of the trust. And often that includes the house. So let's say the house is worth a million dollars by the time you pass away. That's immediately $10,000 a year plus 1% of the rest of the assets. So you might end up paying one or $2,000 a month to have this administered properly, but then the trust should be worth a couple of million dollars. So just know this. You have to build that in. It's got to be part of it. You don't want your son doing it. All right. The life insurance policy buys time for the retirement accounts to grow, grow, grow. But I want you to feel comfortable that when you retire, because you're 57, maybe you'll retire at 62, 4, 5, whatever. You didn't say. If you retire and you go, but I have to make sure there's enough money for my son. No, no, no. We took care of that with life insurance. You enjoy your retirement. Spend your money. That's what it's designed for. Retirement accounts are meant to be spent in drips and drabs. We call that income. It's not meant to say, hi, Arif, send me $150,000. I want to buy a house. No. You have to pull out $250,000. Give the government one hundred, and you get to keep one fifty if you do that. So it drains your retirement account. But if you take it out in income... You stay below the brackets, you manage it properly, you can have a great life. And then when you pass away, we know your son is protected. That's why I like life insurance. It can be used for that particular uh, process, right? It can be used as a way to, to fill in those gaps. All right. Important we realize this. What is the capabilities of your son? Each of you might have somebody, for, for whatever reason, I, I'm not sure, maybe we don't know this yet. It just seems to be that, that boys and men are, are more subject to autism. Even Down syndrome, maybe that's just my observation. It just seems like young ladies don't seem to have that uh, diagnosis as often. I don't know. It just seems to be the case. But if it is, and you say, but I need to make sure that my son is cared for, what are his 
or her capabilities? Can they make their lunches every day? Can they make sure the house is clean? Make sure they don't burn down the place? Right? What are their capabilities? So if their capabilities are nearly 100%, meaning they could care for themselves, then maybe you need to pay a caregiver to pop in every, every day, every other day. Maybe you'll need someone to be there from you know, 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. every day. Make sure that lunches are made for the next day. He has dinner, gets bathed, whatever the, the, his abilities or inabilities are. So you're going to use that money, use your money to fund those other types uh, of ways. Now, remember I talked about in the first hour, you guys, the taxable accounts, the TOD, transfer on death provisions. What do I want you to do with those accounts? In this particular case, the attorney might say, I want you to make the trust the owner of those accounts so that when you pass away, they stay within the trust. And then the trust says, oh, but if I'm died, all, if, I, if I die, all of the other accounts that I have that are now owned by the trust, they should wash into the special needs trust to pay for this, this, and this. So you just have to be prepared to have the trust last for a period of time. And maybe you'll say that, hey, if this third party, the trustee, maybe you'll have a health care provider, if they make a determination that my son can no longer live on his own or without this person coming in on you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever the case is, then I want to be able to pay for him to be at one of these two or three facilities. Right? You, want, you have to do some homework, which are clean, solid facilities. And you got to keep up with them because sometimes they sell, they close, they transfer, they move, they grow. And the quality of care may not be the same or maybe the, the, the whole facility doesn't exist anymore. So a special needs trust gives you that ability to kind of manage from the grave. Sounds a little morbid, but it does give you that ability to do that. And I like the idea of using the insurance policies for that purpose. Because you can buy, you can leverage a lot of insurance for a few dollars. That's why insurance exists. Right? Just like you have a nice fancy Mercedes and you pay $2,000 a year. It's a $120,000 car. Really? You pay $2,000 a year? And if you crash your car, they're going to give you another $120,000? Why? Well, it's because you didn't crash it last year and you still paid your $2,000. And everybody else didn't crash their car, so they paid $2,000. So somebody had to pay for it. And it's all the other people that didn't crash their car. Well, life insurance is the same way. They expect you to not die. That's the, that's the good news. And by collecting your money and his money and her money and their money all in a bucket, there's enough to pay. All right? So that's, that's why they do it. it. What it does is it gives you that freedom. So I want you to take a look at the different facilities. Where do you want him to live? What does it look like? See if you can keep him educated. You guys don't understand, but uh, a friend of mine and a client uh, years ago had a uh, kind of like an aerospace company where he made fasteners, screws and bolts and things like that, that, that were very expensive, $20 for one screw. It was so machined so perfectly and it was made of certain material. It would go on the Mars Rover. It was in the international space station would go on, uh, you know, at the time space shuttle. So these kind of fasteners and screws and bolts, et cetera, uh, 
had to be cared for very carefully. And so what he did is he hired a group of special needs folks from the local uh, center, right? There's like a, a work center that puts folks to work that want to work and it makes sure they get, make sure that they get to work, make sure they get home, that their rights are, are adhered to, they're paid properly and on and on. So he created a whole assembly line program because these things had to be hand counted. They couldn't touch another machine, right? Normally the, the screws and bolts go into a big bin and they just drop them in and everything bangs off of each other and, and on and on. No, 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 you can't do that. These have to be carefully placed, five or 10 or 20 in a bag. So he taught them how to do this. They all had their own little iPods at the time, right? He had snacks, fruit, snacks, drinks, candy galore. I don't know. He had it all set up and they all worked. The pride that came out of those young men and some women at the end of the day or when they took their lunch break by, by doing something, not existing, not taking, but giving. So I want to encourage you guys with a special needs person or a child or a young man or woman in your life. My experience has been they can really care for themselves financially up to a certain point. They're going to need some help. But don't deny them the opportunity of being blessed by blessing somebody else through work. So many of you think that this, uh, what do they call it, quiet quitting, right? You really think you're going to have a chance to succeed? The reason my wife and I started a scholarship fund about 25 years ago, and it was based on character. We couldn't care less what your grades were, provided you at least earned a 2.0. In fact, if you earned a 2.0 to 3.79, you qualified for a scholarship. 3.8 or above, you didn't get it. But why, Arif? Because generally speaking, our philosophy is that A students work for C students. And I wanted to give C students a chance because most people look at their grades. In reality, ask yourself this. Has anybody ever asked, hey, what did you get on your 11th grade history test? Hi, yeah, I'd like to hire you for a job, but in your freshman year of college, you took uh, chemistry. What was your grade on chemistry? Nobody cares. What do they care? I mean, I mean look, you have to fill out the application for the job. You have to take an interview and... and a relative of mine just recently got hired by a computer company uh, and they had to do these psychology tests and, and this uh, whole system. It seemed almost a woke system of trying to to manage everybody's feelings. So there was all and on over and over and over interviews and interviews and interviews. So people get hired for that, but they get fired for what they do. Do they show up on time? Are they easy to work with? Are they coachable? Do they get along with their, their cubicle mates, their, their workmates? Do they, are they creative? Right? Do they shower? Oh my gosh, yes, is that a thing, guys? Do they clean their clothes? Do they smell like dirty laundry? I mean, forgive me if you're having lunch. But these are things that my friends that own businesses tell me they have to terminate people for. Right, Because they bring them into a room and they say, hey, listen, I know times are tough, but I don't know. Can you wash your clothes? How, how do you say that to a person? Sometimes special needs people forget those things, right? Einstein never brushed his hair. His wife had to dress him, but he was brilliant. So the idea of 
you creating something so that you, you cared for your son beyond that. And for some of you that own small businesses, think about hiring special needs people. You all have been somewhere where they've worked, they work their tail off. They're honorable. Some of them don't even know how to lie, right? Other employees, oh yeah, sorry, I, uh, you know, I know I smell like weed, but it was the guy next to me. Right? Everybody, no, no, no. These are decent people. So you ask yourself, what do I have to do? If I can, some of you don't have the means, I understand. But what do I have to do to protect my son or my daughter after I pass away? So I like that special needs trust. I like the idea of you kind of getting involved, putting your home in, in that program. Work with an attorney who specializes in revocable living trusts and, this is a big capital, bold letters, and special needs trust. Some attorneys just handle the everyday revocable living trust. Great. That's who I want you to go to if you want to trust. But if you need a special needs trust, you have to work with an attorney. And, and you might say, look, this attorney has a whole system in place, has trustees, has administrators, bookkeepers, people to make sure things are being done properly behind the scenes. Wonderful. I like that. Right? You want checks and balances. You want the court to make sure that your son is cared for. And that can be done by having the right team in place. Rarely, almost never, do you want your financial advisor as your trustee. Here's why. In most cases, it's not allowed, frankly. It's a, it's a conflict of interest uh, in most cases. In some cases, if it's a direct family member, then you can you can do it. Right, son, daughter, if it's your brother, one brother is caring for another brother. There are exceptions to that rule. But make sure that you don't have your financial advisor as your trustee. I think it's it's just a conflict. You want a lot of heads in the in the table on the on the table, right? In at the conference room when everybody's sitting around and they're thinking what's best for your son. Right? Is it uh, so the, the trust attorney gives his or her two cents. The CPA gives her two cents. The advisor gives his two cents. Everybody puts it into the center and they push and pull and come up with a formula and an idea how to manage this best for your son. And if you play the game right, right, you, you save up money, you pay off your house, there are millions of dollars at stake. And you're 57, so I don't expect you to pass for her for many decades. And that could be time to educate your son get him a good job, work for a good place, maybe take another skill set of test. Okay. All right. I hope that helps guys. I want to cover one last thing is before we take our break, uh, our next, our, our next email really is about what I am seeing more and more today because a lot of you are asking about era of the real estate market. What do I do next era of the real estate market has changed? Yes, it has. Some of you are flush with cash. You've been waiting era. If I'm renting or I sold my rental properties and now I'm just waiting until the market crashes or comes down. I don't know how far it's going to crash or come down. There's kind of a bit of a delay. So we have to get through that delay. We're still in the middle of that absorption before it starts to impact. Because the panic will set in when the seller is, wait a second, I got to move. Or the seller who is a builder says, I need the money because I got to build the rest of these homes that are halfway done. So you'll start seeing incentives. We'll give you $10,000 to closing costs or the prices start coming down. 
or you start to see people negotiating things that they wouldn't have negotiated before. All right. That's when you know we're at the cusp. Do we go over the edge? Does it drop? That's what we don't know. When do I think we will know? Probably March, April, May. That's when I think you're going to see how bad inflation is coming through, what's happening to the interest rate environment as far as the impact on housing. When we come back, I have your email that covers just this on your place for news, talk, and information. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is AM870, The Answer. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. It's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan for Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Appreciate you. Staying for the second email, the second hour of the, sh- uh, the second, uh, the, the second part of the second hour of the show. Uh, and by the way, uh, I know I've said thank you before, but thank you guys for listening and being a part of the show. Uh, your requests, your influence has really made a difference. It's why we get our two hours. Uh, occasionally we have guest hosts. I'm working on getting a very special guest host, uh, not guest host, but a guest on the show. Working on getting a special guest coming up. Uh, you'll know. You'll know when we get them on the air. I think you'll be excited to hear from them as well. All right. Look, uh, I talk about your family's finances all the time, about income strategies. Remember everything about that purpose that I say, right? The purpose of your money determines the place of the money. Meaning what's the job that we're trying to do? What's the job of the money, right? Is it to give you a lifetime of income? Well, then that's your retirement account. I don't want you to think that a retirement account is a savings account. It's not an emergency account. It isn't a repair the roof account. It isn't to go on vacation account. Retirement accounts that are IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, those types of accounts, what is their job? It's to give you an income stream. So if you want to to travel or do something exciting or, or save money, what you do is you take a little bit more income, just like you would at your job, and you take 10% and you set it aside. You should be doing that anyway. You should always be saving your income, your retirement account. Now, if you're going to spend it in the same year, if you're going to just take it and put it from your left pocket and into the right pocket, right? In other words, retirement account into your savings account, and you're not going to spend it in that same tax year, then you're, you're, you're taking money out, taxing it, increasing the money that, that you owe the government, but you're not going to spend it. Don't do it. Now, if you have to, that's one thing, if it's a required minimum distribution. But you never take money out and pay taxes on money you're not going to spend. Right? Leave it where it is. Let it grow. Let it be deferred. If you need it to live on, if you want to take a trip, if you're saving up for something next summer, great. We start increasing the withdrawals in January. We start increasing the amount. Build it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Now we take our trip. Because a lot of you forget 
that that the tax year is what matters. So sometimes people will say in February of the year, uh, I'm not going to take money out now because I don't want to pay taxes on it. I'm going to take it out in November. When are you going to spend it? Well, for the holidays. Well, it's six and one half dozen of the other. Now, if you want to have growth or tax deferred growth, okay, a little bit more time, maybe, maybe not, depending on where it is. But don't think that taking it out in one calendar year and then spending it in the next calendar year is a smart thing to do most of the time. The job of the money determines the place. So retirement money, the reason you get all the goodies, all the benefits, all the delays, all the tax benefits, on and on, is simple. It's because you have the ability, ready for this, to defer the taxes on it. You have the ability to say, don't tax me now. Now, there's a challenge. In 2026, tax rates are supposed to increase. Now that Biden uh, feels vindicated, I think he thinks he's going to run for office. I'm telling you, I don't think he'll be in office a year from today. I keep saying that. And then he gives a pretty good speech, you know, meaning he's lucid. I don't mean good as in the content. But he gives a pretty good speech like he knows what he's talking about. So realistically, I think his cognitive ability and the strokes that he's had and other issues, whatever they might be, are going to affect him, certainly from running again. But I just think once he hits the two years and 10 minutes mark, then he's going to start getting pressure from his own party to step down so that Kamala can run as an incumbent. She can run as a, see, I've proven myself as a president already. Trust me. Look at what I've done. Right? She can have something to point to because right now her only thing is failed border policies. So they feel emboldened. They're going to make changes, continue down the road, hopefully with. Uh, so here's my hope. Herschel Walker wins and it's a 50-50 Senate. And then Joe Manchin looks and says the final straw was your banning of coal. And that is my state's main source of energy. And you want to ban coal plants across the country. I just can't be a part of you. I'm going to either be independent and caucus with the Republicans. Or Joe Manchin is going to flip and become a Republican. That's my hope. I don't know the behind the scenes enough. But I think if Herschel Walker wins, then it's now a 51-49 if Joe Manchin defects. And now we can blunt these crazy judges. Now you can, uh, you know, slow down some of these crazy policies, although he's still going to initiate them through his uh, through his agencies and the growth of some of these agencies and on and on. I think that's that's where he's going to go. So he's not going to use Congress. He's just going to use his uh, dictatorship program. What's going to happen with President Trump next week? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I am with Barack Lurie on this. I love what he did for the country as far as his policies. I think his international policies were spot on. His uh, gut instincts when it came to the Middle East with China, even with Central and South America, uh, redoing NAFTA that, that hurt most of workers in the United States, right? He understood what to do to make things work. But he's a lightning rod because he can't be controlled. Maybe his job was a lightning rod to take all the heat so that somebody like a DeSantis, yes, I'm saying his name like everybody else, can come up from the outside, right? He's the distraction that drives people crazy. And now Mr. DeSantis has a chance to run and become the next president. 
Uh, I heard somebody speak recently that basically a Trump-DeSantis ticket is the way to go. Give DeSantis, he's a young man, give him a chance to, to build up some experience. Now, because it's only four years, remember, he can't run a, a second term. So Trump becomes president, DeSantis is vice president. Four years from now, DeSantis now runs for 12 years. I think because Biden now bought and paid for this economy, especially now, right? Careful what you wish for. Well, that's what he gets is an economy that is all Democrat, state of California, federal. And I think that could lead to a backlash. Now, listen, that's hopeful. We have to get some Supreme Court justices to come in and, and say this ballot harvesting and mail-in ballot deal is a bunch of jo- uh, you know a bunch of uh, ripe for corruption to allow all the states, every state, to do voter ID when you show up, and then we take your right thumb if you have one, or your left thumb if you have one, or your right index finger. Right? We go back and forth till we find a, a digit that is there, and you just fingerprint. So that ballot goes in with your electronic identification, your signature, an ID by some human being there, and your thumbprint. That's it. And if you put your thumbprint on too many of these things, right? The driver's license, you already have your thumbprint, guys. If you have an ID or a driver's license with the state, uh, if you got a beautician's license or, or a police officer or security guard or doctor or nurse or LVN and on and on, they were finger, you were fingerprinted. It's preschool teacher, you get it? Everybody's fingerprinted already. You're in the system somewhere. So we get that right fingerprint and it's attached to that vote. Oh, wait, we got six more right fingerprints? Huh. Maybe that person, oh, wait, we now know who you are. Why? Because we have your fingerprint. Simple. Oh, what about the mail-in ballots? Very good. You just have to be able to swear that that's your need. Can't get out of the house. I get it. And somebody somewhere creates this little peel back, put your thumb down, Close it. It's a single-use thing. You sign it, and it goes away. Deposited into the box. You have to get it there. Nobody can ballot harvesting. I think it's a way to slow down the fraud. Stop it completely? Nah, never. But slow it down? Keep 27 you know, people from voting from one address? 116 like the one? I think that's one way to do it. But until then, I think the Democrats are going to ruin the economy even more. I think the recession is absolutely permanent now. It's going to happen. How bad? I don't know. We have to see. But you need to be prepared. Okay, here's my next email. All right. Fred and Mary. My wife, 60, and I, 66, have sold our rental property. And uh, we will... We, oh, and we are in escrow in our new retirement home in another state. We have about $500,000 left after we pay cash for our new home. Our goal is to have an extra $3,000 a month to make up our income needs. Both of our 401k plans equal around $1 million. And we will need to move them when we leave our jobs at the end of the year. We're not sure if we should list our primary residence for sale now or should we allow our son to live there and pay us rent? Any help you can give us, we would greatly appreciate, Fred and Mary. All right. Here's what I've got for you guys. I think this is pretty key. Let's break this down because there, there's a few problems here to solve. Number one, uh, when, when you leave your jobs, 
it's almost always a good idea to take your 401ks from your jobs and move them to an individual retirement account. Okay, an IRA is per person, just like a 401k is. You cannot have a joint retirement account. You can only have uh, the participant, the owner, and a beneficiary. It's up and down, right? Uh, top and bottom. It's not side to side. It's not a joint owner. Non-retirement accounts, right? My wife and I have a joint savings account, joint checking. We have a joint investment account. You can have joint all day long, but you cannot have a joint retirement account. The I in IRA stands for individual, okay? So eventually we would roll this over to your own accounts. That's, that's the procedure. That's part of it. All right. But let's back up for a minute. They're going to have about $500,000 left after they pay cash for their new house. I like that idea, Fred. I like it because today's interest rates, they're high. If you need to refinance later to pull out money, fine, you can do that. But I don't think you're ever going to need to do that. All right. Very simple. Pay cash for the house. Now you have or have a need of a $3,000 a month gap. All right. That's important because that is a lot of money at age 60 to pull from your retirement accounts. But can we do it? All right. Now, when you sell your primary house, that's gonna give you a chunk of money as well. That's nice, I like that, okay? I like it because your home, uh, your primary home is also paid off. And it's a good idea when you leave the state to physically and financially leave the state. It'll keep them from saying you still have a foothold. Maybe you should pay tax on some of your money. So the state of California is very particular about that. So if you're going to leave the state, consider leaving the state. But here's what I would do. If you're okay with renting out your house, the rules of owning your home two out of the last five years, that gives you tax-free dollars in your pocket of $250,000 each. So it's a total of 500000 But you have to own it for two of the last five years. Meaning, at the three-year mark, you have to make a decision. So three years from now, you have to make a decision. So would I rent it for the next three years? Yes, probably. Let real estate market come back. Maybe it'll come back in two years, right? Because we're going to dip, and then it'll come back. How far of a dip? I don't know. How bad are the interest rates going to be? Not sure. I still think it's going to be about 8% before the end of the year for a home loan. I think that's going to be about the number. How long it stays there, not sure. But here's what I like. I do not, under any circumstances, want you to rent it to your son. Zero, 100%, never. Why? Here's why. The home itself it has a value in your pocket tax-free of at least 500000 250 each. Well, I'm okay with you giving your son the money above and beyond what you make from rent. So here's my example. Let's say you make $3,000 a month renting your home and taxes and insurance and repairs. Let's say that's $1,000 a month. Okay, so your profit is $2,000 a month from that home, meaning somebody else rents it, somebody else pays the bills, you get $3,000 a month, put $1,000 aside for your expenses, and you give your son that $2,000. He can do with it as he wants. If, I mean, if you want to help him with the house, that could be towards his rent. Now he gets to go find somebody else to rent, 
and you give him $2,000 a month to assist with his rent. Why would I do it that way? Because are you going to kick out your son on Christmas Eve? No. Now, you may not kick out a stranger either on Christmas Eve. But uh, let's say he has your grandchildren. Oh, you're going to kick them out, uh, your, your baby grandchild? No. Oh, he paid half rent. Will you? No, you won't kick them out. Oh, now one of you, wife or husband, one of you is a softy. One of you is going to be hard. It's the way it is in almost every relationship. Oh, but let him go. Oh, he's so sweet. Oh, give him a chance. You don't understand his girlfriend, his wife, whatever. Everybody's got a story. The other one is he's going to have to learn. All right. So one of you be softy. One of you be hard. Here's my, my thought, Fred. You just give him the 2000 a month and you stay out of that part of his life. Let him make a decision. He wants to rent over there. He wants to buy over here. If you feel like you need to help him, let him help him. And then before three years and three minutes is up, you sell the house. You each put an additional $250,000 tax-free. Now, whatever is above and beyond that, you may have to pay capital gains on it, but it's still a long-term, meaning it's much lower taxes. All right. That's what I want you to do with the house. I know it's not always popular. Maybe your son is the person that would never, ever stray from it, right? And, and pay his bills on time. Okay, maybe he's that person. Some, you know, we all have the, the good ones and the not so good and the solid and the not so solid. All of us have those. All right, as far as their financial decisions go. Okay, we're going to roll over the 401k plans to the IRA. Now, you guys mentioned this uh, under the Dear Earth. Quoting, both of our 401k plans equal about $1 million. All right. So here's what I want you to do. Because you can't have a joint owner. You want each other to be the beneficiary. And then I want you to consider either having the trust as the contingent beneficiary or the individual people. I don't know how many children you have. If you have two kids, you make it 50-50. Three, four, whatever it is. You can make it whatever percentage you want as the contingent beneficiary. Meaning if something happens... God forbid, to both of you at the same time, you have a plan B. All right. Here's what I'd like you to do. Ready for this? It's a bit uh, unorthodox. I want you to take $720,000 and put it in a fixed, fixed annuity. Acts like a CD. Same interest rate, come heck or high water. Remember the word MIGA, multi-year guaranteed annuity? Well, here's what happens. That fixed annuity at $720,000 allows you to have $3,000 a month interest only. That means every month you're paid interest, every month we take it out. $3,000, paid interest, take it out. So think CD, but at a 5% interest rate, which we can get all day long today on a fixed annuity, the interest is all you need. Now you take 500,000, right? Remember, we have the 1 million plus the 500, but we take 500,000 and we go a little bit longer term. The longer term, what's the job? Long-term care, inflation protection. It's designed in case one of you passes a little sooner. And remember what happens when one of you passes away, your tax bracket for the other person, the survivor, is doubled because you're no longer doing married filing jointly, but the next year, what are you? You are now taxed as simple. Single person. And a single person's tax bracket is way higher. Double almost. 
So I don't want you to get stuck in that world, okay? I want you to be in a position to where the money that you make allows you to be taxed at a friendlier rate. And if we need, if we lose some of the Social Security, because you will, you know that, right? When one of you passes away, you're going to lose one of the Social Security checks, the lower of the two. Now, I can make it so that $3,000 a month lasts no matter who's alive. doesn't matter, both of you. But that extra 500000 follow me for just a minute. It's designed to give you long-term care, critical illness, chronic illness, that kind of thing. When you can't do two out of six activities of daily living, they'll increase the payments to you. I like it. Inflation is going up at 7, 8, 9, 10%. Real inflation, not, not Biden's calculations. Now what happens? We have that plan B. We turn on that switch. When? Well, we can turn it on anytime. If I can get you guys, both of you, to age 70, so in other words, 10 years from now, then we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 2500 a month, something like that, enough to cover the other person's Social Security check. So that reduces the risk. And all we need is about 10 years for both of you to get to age 70. All right. But according to your math, Arif, that still leaves $280,000 left. What do we do with that? All right, well, let's recap. The $720,000 is going to pay about a 5% interest. There's your $3,000 a month, never touching the principal. $500,000, we go longer term. That's designed to get us long-term care protection regardless of our medical conditions today. It's designed to give us protections in um, uh, inflation, right, longer term. But that $280,000 for emergencies and other expenses, we can put that wherever you want. If you want to play in the stock market, money market, CD-type instruments, but it's 100% liquid and accessible. In other words, the job of that money is, uh-oh, there's an emergency. Uh-oh, there's a roof leak. I want to put in a backyard. I want to drip this into my income. I want to refinance. Right? Whatever it is, we have the cash to do that. So what you guys did, Fred and Mary, is you've created kind of a, a patchwork, if you will, pieces and parts to give you a really good lifestyle. And without the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, holiday stress of, uh, of having your son over and his wife and saying, why can't you guys pay? Oh, that's a nice new car in the driveway. Uh, but excuse me, you were late on my rent last month, right? How many of you want to have that conversation? You don't. So you don't care. You let him do what he wants. You rent the house to a stranger, somebody who you're not going to have over for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. They come over, happy, happy with the son. You're still assisting them. Put a time limit on it. Like, I will give you this $2,000 a month for one year. I'll give you this $2,000 a month for two years. Whatever it is, I want a time limit on it. Right? Here's what my suggestion is. Because remember, you need to sell the house before three years is up. I would do it this way. I would say, son, we're going to give you $2,000 a month for one year. And then for the next year, it's going to reduce to $1,000 a month. And then that's it. So that'll give you time to save up money, to pay off your debt, student loans, you know, let your wife go back to school, finish school, whatever it is that you're going to do. 
But in that last year, you guys need flexibility because you need flexibility. Do I need to sell the house now? Do I need to wait? What if the market is back? And immediately you have an additional 500000 tax-free come into your pocket. Remember, you might pay tax on, the, on whatever gain you had above that. But 500000 comes back into your pocket. What do we use that for? Whatever you want. Because we have taken care of your short-term uh, income needs. We've taken care of your medium-term income needs. We've taken care of emergencies. And you are not in the market at all. We're not in the real estate market anymore because you sold your, your real rental properties. You do have your other primary residence, but it's still kind of there. And we don't care what happens with cryptocurrency. We don't have any concern of what happens in, in Russia, China. You're completely removed from the market. What's, gonna, what's the, the, uh, the drawback? Well, on that 720 and the 500, right? Those two retirement accounts, that job, simple. We have liquidity. We can pull out 10% a year. If we pull out more, you'll pay a fee. It's called a surrender charge. So don't pull out more than 10% a year. That's what the $280,000 is for. Number one. Number two, there is a very serious thing called a cap. That means you're not going to make more than about 15% a year. You're going to make between zero and 15. Realistically, eh, between three and eight. That's the average. Sometimes higher, sometimes lower. So you have to be all right. Those two things, your retirement is secure. Reliable retirement income forever. And you're taking care of your holiday, Christmas dinner. Make it happy. All right, guys. Enjoy the week. Eric Hallaby, Total Financial Solutions, TFS Financial Insurance Services, 888-99-RETIRE. Have a great day. Thanks to Arif Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.